There she was, uh, sitting in a wheelchair in the front of a building. It was clear that she was, has not been kept well. She was dirty. Her hair was disheveled. She was missing most of her teeth. And she was not in a very good mood. Some of her things were littered around her in her wheelchair as she was in the front of the building. Honestly speaking, many would have said she was a sight for sore eyes. She belonged to that large population of people that we call the homeless. Some who came out of the building saw her and passed by. Then there were others who came out of the building and saw her and spoke to her, but still went on to their cars. There was one individual who came out of the building and saw her and began talking with her and found out that she needed some food, that she was hungry. So that individual went to the nearby McDonald's and came back with some food and gave it to the lady in the wheelchair and she began to eat it. But after that individual gave the food to the individual, that individual left too. And so when the lady had finished her meal, the, the, the trash that was left over, she just dropped it to the ground around her wheelchair and enjoying all the other things, so to speak, that belonged to her. There was another individual who observed all that was going on. And that individual had hoped the woman would leave the premises. But the woman did not leave. The only thing she really did was, instead of being right on the property, she moved down to the sidewalk in front of the building. The individual who had hoped that she would leave became irritated and frustrated and didn't know what to do. So the individual called the police. And the police came. And shockingly, the police did not say anything really to the woman, but said something to that individual who wanted her to leave. The police rebuked that individual and said, you ought to show sympathy and compassion to that woman. In the fact that she's no longer on your property, but it's on the sidewalk, there's nothing we can tell her at all. So the individual accepted that rebuke, went back in the building, and was still hoping that the woman would leave. And as night came, she did leave. Nobody knows when, nobody knows where she went, but she was gone. All of the individuals who came out of the building would have told you that they are Christians, that they are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, which one 
or which ones of those individuals actually showed mercy? Which ones? The beatitude that we are going to look at today helps us to consider this important matter of showing mercy. It will allow us to answer the question, who actually showed mercy to this woman? I want you to join me as we consider the fifth beatitude, the one that's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. The verse is short, so I will recite it again. It reads, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want us to walk around this verse and walk through this verse and spend a lot of time here. And as we do that, I want us to do so from the subject, the blessed merciful. Let's spend some time considering that subject so that we can see where we are in the eyes of God. The first thing that I would want you to notice is the personality of the merciful. We need to pay attention to the combination of characteristics and qualities that form this group. We need to zero in on them because they really are the subject of the verse. The verse is not talking about God. The verse is not necessarily talking about Jesus. The verse is talking about the merciful. And when Jesus describes this group, uh, as he's preaching this wonderful sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. The, the opening verses of the Sermon on the Mount are the Beatitudes. And he talks about individuals. And here he talks about the merciful ones. He doesn't describe them, so to speak, with a, non, a noun, but an adjective. He, he wants us to know what they do as opposed to who they are. They are the merciful ones. They are the merciful men and women and boys and girls who extend mercy to those in need. That's their makeup. That's what they do, not once in a blue moon, but that's what they do habitually not occasionally. They are compassionate. They are kind. They are giving. And they are forgiving. The personality of the merciful ones is to come to the aid of the needy. That's what it means to be merciful. It means to come to the aid. Come to the help. Come to the assistance of those who are in need. They do more than sympathize. They act. 
They do more than commiserate. They show compassion in concrete ways. They sow and they show mercy to those who are in need. Those who are in a state of pity in a good sense. They need help. Their mercy is not talk, but it's walk. Their mercy can be seen. It can be demonstrated. It's not wrapped up in how they feel and what their emotions are. What they feel, what their emotions are, cause them to act and do something. Now, a concrete expression of showing mercy is giving to the poor. Jesus makes that clear in Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. A little bit later on in this Sermon on the Mount, he will talk about people giving alms, A-L-M-S. Now, we don't use that kind of terminology, but when you look at other translations, it talks about giving to the poor. It talks about giving to the needy. They even use the phrase charitable giving. And Jesus says, when you give to the poor, when you do your charitable giving, don't do it so that others can see you. Don't do it so that others can honor you and put your name on a plaque on, or on a roll or in a bulletin. Jesus says, no, do it in private. But it's interesting, giving alms and showing mercy, they belong to the same family of words. So that lets us know that the person who shows mercy, as God gives that person opportunity, that person will show that by giving to those in need, by giving to those who are poor. To give to those who don't have what is necessary. That's one aspect of the personality of those who are merciful. They give to those who are in need. They extend compassion to the needy. But another aspect is that those who are merciful show pardon and grace to those who need forgiveness. Or to put it another way, when you show mercy, there are times that in showing mercy, you will forgive. You will show forgiveness to others. It's not just giving to the poor. It's not just giving to the needy. But there are times when showing mercy involves extending pardon, and trying to help that person experience the pardon that comes from God. Now, now Jesus makes that clear, not in this verse, but when Peter asked the question, and Peter thought he was being going beyond, he asked a question about forgiveness. The, the rabbis 
has said that you should forgive three times. And Peter says, Lord, he thought he was doing something. Lord, shall I forgive seven times? I mean, that's a lot to forgive an individual person seven times. And the Lord blew Peter out of the water. The Lord said, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. You math majors, you you know what that is, right? The others, you can calculate if you need to. But it was really unlimited forgiveness. And Jesus went on to give a parable. He gave a parable about a master, a, a lord. And one of his servants owed him a huge debt. I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars. And the owner, the Lord, the master, forgave that man because the man was unable to pay it off, clearly. And the owner forgave the individual. And the individual who was forgiven that massive debt realized that there were some others who owed him some debts. And there was one that he confronted, owed him a small debt. And when that person who owed the small debt couldn't pay it, the one who had been forgiven the huge debt threw me in prison. Would not accept that. Would not forgive. And the news got back to that owner, that Lord, who was owed the huge debt. And that owner said to the one who was forgiven the huge debt, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I have had mercy on you? Interesting choice of word. Should you not have had mercy? He didn't say, shouldn't you have forgiven no, the owner said, when you forgive, that's a part of showing mercy. Shouldn't you have been merciful? Shouldn't you have gone to the extent of forgiving that debt in light of what you have been forgiven? And so we need to understand that when we talk about extending mercy, that means to, to help those who are in need, yes. But it also means to pardon and help those who are guilty of sin. And sometimes that sin is toward us, but ultimately all sin is against God. That's the personality of the merciful. They extend kindness and compassion to those who are needy. And they also extend pardon to those who are guilty. I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But Jesus, it was Jesus' personality to extend mercy. If there's an individual on earth who, who walked and modeled Showing mercy, it was Jesus. When words came out of his mouth, he would teach about showing mercy. 
he confronted the Pharisees on several occasions and said to those Pharisees, guess what? You need to learn something that are in your scriptures in the Old Testament. You need to learn what this means. I desire compassion. That is, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. They were willing to give animal sacrifices, but, but, but they had not learned that what God wanted from them was mercy. He wanted them to show mercy to those in need. And the Lord taught from Hosea 6, 6 and said, go and learn what this means. But the words that came out of the mouth of Jesus on many different occasions taught that you are to show mercy. But the works of Jesus, who can look at Jesus' life and not say that his works proclaim and demonstrate and show a person who extends mercy. We just finished the Gospel of Mark. And time after time after time, we see the merciful Lord Jesus Christ. We see passages in the Gospel that, that speak that he was moved by his compassion, by his mercy to act. When he saw those shepherdless sheep, he responded in mercy. He first taught them and then he fed them. When blind Bartimaeus was crying out in Mark 10, verse 48, and he was saying, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew something about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was merciful, that that was his makeup, his constitution. That was his personality. And the Lord responded to blind Bartimaeus in a merciful way. He restored his sight. But the question has to be asked, is it your personality to extend mercy? Are you in that group called the merciful that show compassion to those in need and also willing to pardon those who wrong you and those who have wronged God? Does that describe you? Are you merciful? We know what Jesus is, but are we merciful? And it would be easy right now just to go to the next point where we could sit in our pews comfortable and not be challenged. But that would be wrong on my part and wrong according to the word of God. God wants us to see ourselves in the face and in the mirror of Scripture. And so, you know that we live in a broken world. There are people all around us who are needy. All around us. 
Some of them are needy physically, spiritually, financially, relationally. Just a multitude of needs out there. And what do we, who are the people of God, how do we respond to the needs of others? How do we respond to those who are in this broken world where sin has devastated them? Do we sympathize? Do we have compassion? That's a good start. But I do hope you know that John says that you can be compassionate and you can show kindness to individuals feelings-wise and not get to the, the deed. John says that we can have compassion and we can shut up the bowels of our compassion. We, we see a need and we know we should meet that need, that God wants to use us. And as that, those bowels of compassion and feeling are rising up, John says you can shut it down and push it back. And he wants to ask the question, if that's the case, how does the love of God abide in us? If we just see and sympathize, but we don't do any deeds. It's not enough to say, oh, poor homeless people. Oh, poor broken people. When it comes to their relationship, the question is, are we willing to extend mercy? Are we willing to meet needs? And it's a variety of needs. Or have we become so used to homelessness, to brokenness, sinfulness, that we can come comfortably to our church, worship our God, declare how glorious he is, and go back to our homes, not phased at all by the broken world in which we live. Griping that we might have to give a dollar. When we waste dollars and upon dollars upon dollars on things that ain't worth nothing. Getting mad and upset because the homeless have invaded our streets. But to care nothing at all about doing anything about the situation. And I'm not saying that you are the only solution or that I am the only solution. But maybe we take our money instead of beautifying our homes. Maybe we take our money instead of beautifying our churches. Maybe we take the money and, and, and invest in ministries and in organizations that are trying to help those who are needy. Maybe we do that. We, we send money overseas. My friends, right across our streets are the homeless, are the poor, the needy. 
And so I'm not saying that each and every one is the solution, but maybe we need to think a little bit more about what we do with what God has entrusted us. That is, if we want to be among this number called the merciful, the personality, the personality of the merciful is to extend aid to the needy and pardon to the guilty. But as we continue to walk around in this verse, please note the pronouncement about the merciful. Jesus makes a declaration about those whose habit it is to extend mercy. And, and please don't get the, uh, the, the Beatitudes wrong. The Beatitudes is not commanding you how to live and conduct yourself. That's getting it wrong. There are no commands in the Beatitudes. What's in the, the Beatitudes are not demands, but declarations. It, it, it's identifying individuals. It's making pronouncements. It's saying that these individuals, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are gentle, those who thirst and hunger at the right, those individuals are a certain thing. Jesus is not saying to his disciples, go out and do this. These are not commands. These are identification marks and characteristics of those who follow Jesus. Jesus wants us to know, if you're my follower, then you are broken in spirit. Then you do mourn over sin. You are gentle. You do thirst for and hunger for righteousness. You do extend mercy. And so as you know, the word blessed is the key word in the Beatitudes. Used nine different times in verses 3 through 12. Begins in verse 3 and goes all the way to verse 11. Blessed. And it's a word that means favored. One who is flourishing. One whose life is flowering. One is, life is in a good condition. They're experiencing the favor of God. They are individuals that are fortunate because of what God has done for them. And what Jesus says here, counterculture, you know that. As we come to the end of a year, there's going to be all kind of lists and winners of awards. Nobody's going to win an award for being merciful. None of us are even looking for a list that has the top ten people who are merciful, so to speak. Because our culture doesn't value this. Our, our culture doesn't value showing Kindness and compassion to the needy. Trying to help individuals get right with God. And get right in their relationships. But we need to take note of Jesus' pronouncement, his declaration. He says, these individuals are favored 
These individuals are flowering. These individuals are flourishing. This is the good life. When you show mercy. And as we finish walking around this verse, please observe the promise to the merciful. And this is where the beatitude gets good. This is where it's like eating sweet potato pie. And you know on Thanksgiving, I ate my sweet potato pie. My good friend gave me two pies. And my wife says, share, share, share. I'm not merciful yet. I'm working on it. I shared one pie, but the other pie I ate. So if I end up in a coma, you know why, because I ate that sweet potato pie. But this verse is like eating sweet potato pie. This statement is like eating the gooey part of the pound cake. It's just good. It's good. The promise is that the merciful are blessed. And if you don't get excited about that, maybe you don't know what it is to receive mercy. But the merciful are blessed. And the reason why they're blessed is because of what they will receive. And what is it that they'll receive? They will receive mercy. That's what they will receive. They will be the recipients of mercy coming from the hand of God. The promise, and you got to see this, the promise is not that they have received mercy. It's not talking about mercy in the past having been received. That's not the promise, but that's the reality. Those who are merciful, have received mercy from God. Anyone who is merciful, that individual has received mercy from God. And I hope you know that our God is a merciful God. That our God extends mercy. That's his makeup. That's his being. When Moses wanted to see God, God said, Moses, you can't see me, but I'll put you in the, uh, in the cleft of a rock. I'll let, I'll, I'll pass by you. <laughs> and God, when he passed by Moses, proclaimed in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. God is merciful. He's merciful, and the merciful know that, and the merciful have experienced that. David said in Psalm 86, verse 15, he said this, But thou, O God, art a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. At least 25 times in the Old Testament, it speaks of God being merciful, of God being compassionate, 
in the New Testament. Not to be outdone, chimes in. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2.4, God is rich in mercy. He's got an ample supply of mercy. He, he never, ever runs out of it. You cannot drain God of his mercy so that he has no more. Paul says he's rich in mercy. And we see that particularly in salvation. When God saves us, all oh, the mercy that has been brought down to man in saving us. And that's why Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, that we are saved not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but according to his mercy, according to his mercy, God saw our pitiful selves. He saw our need. He saw that we were bankrupt, that we couldn't save ourselves. And God saved us according to his mercy. But that's not the promise here. The, the, the promise is not that they have received mercy. And neither is the promise they are receiving mercy. They, the promise is not that they have, even though they have. And the promise is not that they are receiving mercy, even though they are receiving mercy. Every child of God knows that every day of their life that they are experiencing the mercy of God. They know that. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.16, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? That you may receive mercy. You want mercy? Draw near to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God is a merciful God. And we are to draw near. That, that's in the present life. So yes, we have received mercy in the past. We have received mercy in the present. But, but the promise here is on receiving mercy in the future. That's the promise. That the day is coming where God shall be merciful to the merciful. In reciprocation of them showing mercy, God will show them mercy. This is not earning mercy. This is God's grace and mercy upon the, those whom he has already showed mercy to, who are now in the position to show mercy. You see, if, if you have not been mercied by God, if in other words, if you haven't been saved by God, you are incapable of habitually showing mercy to others. Oh, you might do a few good deeds, but you're not able. So let me just put it this way. Let me wrap it up this point by just pointing you to James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. James finishes his discussion on the sin of partiality, showing favoritism. When he comes to the end of that section, he says, so speak, so act as those who are about to be judged by the law of liberty. Did you hear that? As you let words come out of your mouth, 
as you take steps, as you do deed, so speak, so act as those who are about to be judged. He wants these individuals to live realizing that once they speak that word, that once they do the act, that at that moment their life could come to an end and they will have to give an account. And so James says, so speak, so act as those are about to be judged. And the standard of judgment will be the word of God. But he goes on to say, for judgment, for judgment will be merciless. My friend, you don't want judgment that is merciless. But James says judgment will be merciless to those who what? Who have shown no mercy. Those whose life is not characterized by meeting the needs of the poor. Those who are not interested in granting pardon. James says, judgment for those individuals will be without mercy. There'll be no extending of pardon. There'll be no compassion. There'll be no grace. To, to the one who does not show mercy, they will not receive mercy when it's judgment time. And, and judgment time is coming. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you can live your life and enjoy everything here on earth and that's the end. No, there's going to be a time of accountability. There'll be a time of judgment. And, and when you stand before God, you won't be able to stand and talk about all that you have accomplished and all that you have done. You're going to stand before God realizing, I need your mercy. And you won't get it. You won't get it if you have not shown mercy here on earth. The only ones who can show mercy here on earth those who have experienced mercy, those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you are a follower of Jesus, when you are saved by God through Christ, because of his person and work, that causes you to be in that family of the merciful. Yes, we are to develop we are to uh, grow when it comes to our mercy. But Jesus and James are saying those who don't show mercy will not receive mercy. And he ends by saying mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what's, what's going to win at the final judgment of God? Mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It conquers judgment. You don't want to stand before God at the final judgment in your own sinfulness, in your own deeds, as those who are not a part of the merciful. So the wonderful, wonderful 
promise that Jesus makes to the merciful is that when the final judgment takes place, you will receive mercy. And my friends, that just reminds us that without the mercy of God in our life, we will never, ever be acceptable to God. So when it's all said and done, when you stand before God, are you going to stand before God having not shown mercy? Are you going to stand before God having shown mercy? One will send you to an eternity apart from God. The other will cause you to enjoy God throughout eternity. And so, what's the personality of the merciful? They habitually and consistently show mercy to the needy. And also, they pardon the guilty. They're willing to forgive. And I don't know where you are. I don't know if there's a lack of forgiveness in your heart. That you're holding some things against people you will not forgive. That's not a mark of the merciful. The pronouncement that Jesus makes about the, the merciful, blessed fortunate, favored, flourishing. Put that on the top of the list, along with being poor and spent spirit, and mourning, being gentle, and thirsting and hungering after righteousness. And don't forget the promise to the merciful. It's the good promise. It's the best promise Oh, I won't say the best. It's one of the best promises that you and I can ever hear. That at the final judgment, we will receive mercy from God. And that's what we all need. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're a merciful God. And thank you that it's the conduct and the character of your people that they are merciful. And Lord, we know that we cannot do this in and of ourselves. The only way that we can extend mercy to others is to have experienced mercy from you. The greatest mercy of all, of being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Father, those of us who have been mercyed by you, Help us to rejoice and to be thankful that one day, at the final judgment, we shall receive mercy from you. Oh, how we need that mercy. Oh, how we have tasted and experienced that mercy already in the past and, and in the present. And we look forward to experiencing it in the future. Father, Thank you for this beatitude. May it ring true in our lives that blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.